Welcome to Living Holistically with Dane and Indy. Where we empower you with the tools and knowledge of some of our favorite experts to help create your optimal health and lifestyle. We're your hosts, parents to three chickens and a dog in the hills of Melbourne, novice gardeners and health coaches serving other couples. Thank you for being here today. We hope you enjoy this episode. On today's episode, we are chatting with ourselves and wrapping up our season on nutrition. And we're going to dive into deep dive, actually. Indy hates that word. <laughs> she hates deep dive. That's probably the word used the most. Maybe overused, I guess. Deep dive, just a fun word to say. Two seasons. So, um, but yeah, so we're going to talk into, and I'm going to kick it off really with our, our diet journey or sort of journey in nutrition and over the years. So do you want to start, Indy, or would you like me to start? You start. I'll start. Okay, cool. Easy. So, <laughs> if you haven't heard my sort of backstory yet, I've shared it across different platforms. But anyway, for those that haven't heard it, my sort of personal health journey with diets or with nutrition, it really, I was very fortunate to be brought up in a very health conscious family. So, therefore, I was pretty much raised on a, I guess, maybe, Soy milk. A, maybe yeah, <laughs> maybe pescatarian, maybe more like a vegetarian based sort of diet growing up. So, um, at the time, obviously, it was the best knowledge that my parents had. And it was probably healthier than majority of my sort of friends at the stage, um, as with everything, um, knowledge and that evolves over time. So, uh, I grew up pretty much very sort of health conscious already. Um, I essentially, as far as I'm aware, as my parents told me would only eat bread and fruit. Um, and that is pretty much not a good <laughs> staple of a diet, but my taste buds were just, um, just conditioned to any bread and fruit. And it's all I wanted to eat as well. So, um, growing up, I definitely had my sort of affinity, affinity to cereals and soy milk. Um, so pretty much having like two to three bowls a day on consistently for a long time up until high school. So that was like my probably beyond, <laughs> probably beyond to be honest, but, um, that was my extent, I guess, of it was healthier than most of the people I knew at the time. But understanding health now, nutrition, is just very far from that at this stage of my sort of knowledge and understanding experience with diets and nutrition. But it pretty much really sparked my sort of nutrition journey sort of began or diet journey began with sort of the blood type diet. And so the blood type diet, um, well, it's been around for a while now, decades and my eldest brother um, brought the book into the family and it was just really fascinating that how our blood types can sort of supposedly, according to Dr. Diodamo, have an impact on our nutrition and what we should be eating. And understanding at the time being a blood type A, uh, a positive that I sort of thrived better on a sort of vegetarian based diet, um, which was interesting. And I got quite interested in that space in my early 20s i'd say like late teens early 20s i really um really explored that area i never i wasn't fully committed into the blood type diet but i was just really like a close loosely sort of following it to some degree and that had been i think my interest in that sparked more from the fact that i had a lot of um intestinal sort of gut issues at the time which eventually led to my like severe sinusitis um, and hay fever at that time. And so knowing that in hindsight, now being able to fix that uh, and change my diet and lifestyle as well. But at the time I was eating a lot of like reflecting back before India was mentioning how I ate a lot of tin tuna um, because of the protein, because at that stage, my understanding of health and nutrition was about just get 
huge amounts of protein because that's meant, apparently meant to give me muscle based off all mm. the basic sort of... More focused on the macronutrients. Yeah, right? I was very focused on macros. Macro. Like, yeah, so, have huge amounts of protein yeah. because that will help you then when you do train, just get jacked. And so my limited understanding and knowledge of nutrition was pretty much that. And so I do remember I have, I th- or did share this before, but I do remember having, um, when I was 19, I'd work, I was working full time and I would go to um, acting class at the nighttime. And so I'd catch a train into the city to go to acting class. And I would have a, it was a HPLC bar by Aussie Bodies. And it was the, the, the highest protein bar there was in the market, like legally allowed to have in a protein. Um, it was like 39 grams or something of protein. I think it might've been soy protein as well. And it absolutely destroyed my gut. Like the, I'd, I'd eat it and I'd feel like it was burning a hole in my stomach, but I didn't really connect the dots because my understanding at the time was like protein's good. And it's like, you just have to just suck it up. And so at 19 years old, I'm like, just eat this bar because it'll keep me satiated for longer. So I don't have dinner until like nine or 10 o'clock at night when I get home. And so I was eating this bar with maybe like an up and go or some sort of other drink as well. That wasn't great. And I just marketed as high protein. It was again, another high protein at that age, understandably in your young, like late teens, early twenties is all about like protein, protein. And even now a lot of people's understanding of macros and protein is just so skewed. And yeah, and that wasn't, that wasn't pretty, that was pretty bad. It got to a state where I was, um, I remember when I was at work at, at times, I'd eat like an apple, for instance. And very shortly afterwards, I'd have the worst gas. And it was just be like pungent gas that would come out of me. And um, we call them fluffers here, um, farts. <laughs> <laughs> and they had, it was just, it was horrendous, really. It was like the smell was so bad. I remember going to my brother and being like, like what, I eat apples and like what's going on? And um, thought it might have been like a fructose malabsorption in my gut. And so um, understanding now that I had just a really bad gut lining that I just destroyed over the years. And that just led to a, a myriad of health problems. Uh, but essentially that was... Yeah, my extent. I never got really sick, like like debilitatingly sick. I was very fortunate to get that bad. My the extent of my health based off my diet nutrition was uh, my hay fever, my severe hay fever and sinusitis that I got from that. Which I it was enough for me to want to change and really look into things as well. And I felt that which the, we all know starts in the gut as well. Now. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All that is based on anything sort of uh, hay fever, sinus issues, anything allergies really is just gut related. Um, but it's also not just that it's, that's a huge component. Um, your diet, lifestyle, environment, as we understand this whole holistic mm, approach to everything as well. Body. Yeah. It goes to the gut. So you can be slamming good food, but then just jamming, slamming yourself with also non-native EMF and be still having detrimental impact. Anyway, um, lost train of thought there about what I was saying, but yeah, my gut was obviously quite trashed and my hay fever and sinusitis had a huge issue and uh, it would break down my immune system every year. I'd have terrible hay fever and that was enough for me to change. Um, for some people, they can get a lot further down the rabbit hole of sickness and not ever want to change. Whereas that was enough for me to spark interest in looking further and exploring more alternative routes as well. So that was, um, yeah, that was a, a journey that sort of opened me up to the whole world of um, what else is out there and how diet can impact me. So understanding, I sort of moved beyond the blood type diet because there's a few things I did it that weren't congruent with what was happening. Like the whole thing of like, I think whole wheat was beneficial for blood type A's, but I'm like the, what I learned from now eventually moving into a paleo-esque sort of diet and lifestyle was that was uh, that was also quite damaging towards the gut. 
So it didn't make a lot of sense to have like almost an elimination diet and remove a lot of the things that may be causing or contributing to the sort of um, my sinusitis and hay fever and all the allergies that came from that as well. And and I did notice it was a, when I did start to remove, say, wheat and then dairy and then start to sort of, I did notice like a, a, a lowering of my inflammation systemically in my whole body, but also in my sinuses as well. And so that had more of an impact sustainably over long term than the operation that cost me thousands of dollars to get my nose scraped out and cleaned um, was a great sort of, um, I guess a great sort of foundation base, but it wasn't, didn't fix or cure the problem. It was more about my shift in my diet, my lifestyle that really actually sort of contributed to that. So, um, a good example where something can be so much more simpler. Yeah. Just going back to basics of taking away the inflammatory foods can solve. Yeah. 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 Which is what we still, which what we still um, recommend to a lot of people as well is that just to remove a lot of the, th- it's almost like having thorns in your body, just remove the thorns first and then actually start to implement a different, uh, I guess, diet or lifestyle. It's a different approach because obviously what you're doing, you know, is yielding you those results. Yeah. So, so therefore that, that was today. my sort of beginning of like, would have been my early twenties now it would have been almost 10 years, 10 years ago. And that, sparked my interest into when I started to go into the health coaching space and really want to explore different dietary sort of um, approaches. We went to the paleo, which went to bulletproof, which went into like an Ayurvedic approach. So I explored a lot of them and I took a lot of that um, as we have in the, as we spoke about in the episode with truth this season, like it's really important that I found myself, but we also recommend to people as well is that to explore all these diets. Yeah, more out recently, there. body and ecology. Not, and body ecology, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and more recently, we have like the body ecology um, diet where we actually follow and then we start to sort of build upon that ourselves, what personally we can sort of um, customize it, so to speak, and not following it so rigidly, like not following anything so rigidly. Um, I found that over the years that when I did dive into things i'd dive in head first like with bulletproof i was like all bulletproof i'd avoid all kryptonite foods and i was all for the um bulletproof foods that were good and uh that also didn't have a great impact on my health as well too drinking a lot of coffee with butter in it uh definitely impacted my thyroid and having lower carb as well had this sort of impact as well my energy levels and i was getting quite lean but i was sort of lacking in certain areas so therefore uh letting go of uh, sort of uh my f- philosophy that I learned at the time and I, I was like attached to, I wanted to become a tribal member of and like, I'm a bulletproof and this is what I follow. And I had to sort of let go. And it's also like that journey of letting go and learning through that phase as well of this is like what I wanted to sort of explore. Um, so yeah, pretty much I explored a lot of those areas the paleo. I moved into bulletproof again, Ayurvedic, um, the blood type diet was the first. So I sort of explored and now most recently the, um, body ecology diet, so we do encourage, we still do encourage people to explore and find what what works with them, but also seasonally yeah, we'll go into to that. where down their track. bodies are. And, you know, when someone is experiencing illness, it's generally a time that you will come across different diets that resonate with you to sort of heal. Um, but as we've said before, it's a good place to start, but it might not, you know, continue to serve you going forward. You might need to adapt and um, and take what really worked for you from that and what you need for the next phase then from something else, 
whether that's, you know, another diet out there and you take, you handpick other bits or, you know, you're going more intuitively. But with on my own journey, uh, it all really started from having health um, problems again with my gut, um, which was a systemic yeast overgrowth from overuse of antibiotics. So these were really strong antibiotics that were prescribed, um, they were given in hospital, sorry, intravenously. So these are some of the strongest ones you can get given. And um, I was hooked up to this drip for like a week at some points, and this was done continuously. So you can just imagine, you know, how that just completely obliterated all the good bacteria in my gut. And from what we're learning now, a lot of it will never recover. But basically I had to make changes in my diet because what I was eating wasn't rebuilding it and it was only really feeding what was left, which was, again, the yeast because antibiotics don't kill yeast. Um, And a lot of these yeasts, they can become, when they get out of control, they can become pathogenic. And so it causes a lot of symptoms in your body like brain fog, um, low energy, from the to- because of the toxins, um, yeah, and all sorts of other things. But basically, the treatment for that is we're always told by doctors just like lower your sugar, you know, um, eat less fruit, eat you know less sugar and things. But I did that, and it didn't really fix much because I had to go a little bit deeper in, and that meant looking at everything. So not just the sugar that you put in, like with the white sugar, it was looking at all sugars. So that meant even the ones that we see as non-refined sugars, like your coconut sugar, maple syrup and stuff Mm. that unfortunately all still feeds these um, pathogenic yeast. So that was a really big um, learning curve for me and a step into, I guess, balancing my body and getting it to a point where I was able to have, you know, a little bit here and there because understandably it's really unavoidable in today's diet, especially if you plan on ever eating out again. Um, But it really took a lot of discipline for a time. And to be honest, it was probably one of the greatest blessings because it taught me about how to get creative with um, still being able to enjoy food and still being able to enjoy sweet food as well. So that led me down the path to explore alternative sweeteners that didn't feed yeast and didn't cause blood sugar spikes. And so this is generally called a candida diet or, you know, a body ecology diet. So that's really what I got into. Um, it also sort of overlapped with a ketogenic diet, but again, I never really, except for doing a saying I was doing a candida diet, I never really labeled myself um, because eventually I just sort of picked what worked and I didn't find that I was able to stick to something and be within certain boundaries completely because, again, we all have our personal preferences and we're all going to find what works for us, whether that's being in a different side of the world Like a lot of the times the foods that are prescribed aren't available or, you know, we just, we have different types of foods, say, as opposed to America. Um, Different culture. Yeah, different cultures as well of the different types of meals we make. So, you know, that 
really opened up a world for me to create different things with these, I guess, almost boundaries um, for the different foods I was ex- experimenting with and exploring. Um, so this has sort of led to some of the best recipe creations that I've had now and how I've had to get so creative um, with, for example, not having normal pasta or rice or something um, and just seeing how I could still make the similar sort of recipes that I was having before, but make them, yeah, make them be more health um, promoting instead of contributing to all the symptoms and the disease causing um, processes in the body like inflammation so yeah that's sort of where i got the story <laughs> yeah we, uh, just put everyone to sleep <laughs> by our back- no, like both our backstories it's like monologues it's just yeah. <laughs> room for that. hopefully people gain some insight to our journey on the way this episode is brought to you by barclay eyewear the only blue blockers created by a health professional and that will protect you from day to night from the harmful spectrums of artificial light If you haven't heard what all the fuss is about, make sure you check out Season 1, Episode 6, where Dane and I delve into all things light and circadian rhythms to understand why these are a game changer for your health. And to say thank you for your support, we've got an exclusive discount of 15% off if you use the code HOLISTIC15. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C-1-5. Just head to barkleyeyewear.com. That's B A R. K-L-E-Y-E-Y-E-W-E-A-R.com. We want to go into, there's a few points we wanted to touch about wrapping up. We found that practical guidance um, was something we want because this season we spoke a lot of more from a, say, a philosophical standpoint about sort of where to or what to approach or how to approach sort of nutrition, but not so much of practical takeaways as well. So we want to just touch base firstly on that uh, three major points that we found that were really important from this season from our guests. Yeah, they sort of overarch and things we dove into with um, each guest. Yeah, which, and Our again, I'll get, we're so, so grateful to have such a, if you haven't listened to this season already, go back and from the very start and every single guest was so grateful to have them on and it was just, they had so much wisdom to share and it was so much in resonant with who we are, what we believe as well. So, which is, we're so grateful for that and for everyone on the season for this so far. So we wanted just to, a few of the big points we wanted to talk into and unpack a little bit further that we find that it's going to be extremely important to sort of, um, as a, emphasize yeah. as a foundation to understand is, um, one is the, is taking responsibility for our food choices and the impact that has on the world, the impact it has on our biology and our community. And so and family and family, it's a, it's, it's a huge impact it takes for what our food choices are and what we try to do with that. So whether you regularly eat out or whether you buy from a local organic grocer, or whether you buy from a whole, um, we buy from like a mainstream chain that supports monocropping. And so that was something we wanted to sort of, I guess, unpack a little bit. I don't know if Indy wanted to share anything on that. Yeah. So I guess when we see the injustice out there, a lot of us think like, what can I do as one person? And this has to be one of the things that you can do every single day because we have to eat. So we can really try and, live our values 
by every choice we make with the food we buy. Obviously, it's never going to be 100% perfect. You know, Dane and I ourselves are not perfect with this. But the majority of the time, we're making um, conscious, responsible choices with where we spend our money on food and who we're supporting and what kind of world that's creating, really, um, for us and, you know, our future children. So that's, I guess, one thing to leave people with because we discussed some of the ways that we can make those better choices um, in the episodes of this season. Did you want yeah. to share anything else? Yeah, I think it's it, it's like uh, put your money where your mouth is. So the world, some people may say, I want the world to be look a certain way, but politics aren't going to change that. It's going to be our money and where we put that money towards as well. So if you're putting it towards large corporations that are going to monocrop the planet and destroy our soil, and give you fake food that's made in the lab, then... And don't have our communities at heart, no matter how much social or greenwashing they do. And just doing an incredible amount of justice to the farmers out there and then Mm. driving themselves to suicide, like incredible journeys behind that. Or you can put your money towards local farmers that either you spray free, they don't have to be certified organic because that's expensive Mm. to get certified. But if they're certified organic, that's great as well. I don't really want to push that belief that it's you know, um, that it's expensive. I think it, again, depends. Like, it's contextual. But then some... If you're buying... But some farmers may not be certified organic, but they may use Mm spray-free and may take care of their farm as well. it is more affordable again. Um, Yeah, more... and that's that's more important than saying to to then go and just go into a a chain um, commercial, say, supermarket and then just buying what's there that is nutrient deficient. As we spoke about throughout the season, the difference in the food quality and taste is just significant alone. So the taste alone is huge. The nutritional value is huge. It's such an increase. And for getting something that's local, that's locally picked, that's grown, that's in nice, good soil as well. Um, compared to if you're buying Sam Franken food. Uh, yeah, because you've it's got to remember, you don't want to just be paying to fill yourself and your family up. You want to be paying for health promoting, nutritious food. So there really is, it's been studied that there is a difference there. And we can no longer ignore that fact and delude ourselves because ultimately, you know, it, the joke will be on us. Jeez, that's really deep, isn't it? <laughs> it's getting dark a little <laughs> no. bit, actually. Yeah, I realize how low you are on the, on the speaker there, but... Um, <laughs> it's, it is the truth, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think people do I need to hear that. misconception of like, oh, eating healthy is expensive. And like, to be honest, if Indy and I can do it with our, with our um, budget as well, it, we believe anyone can do it. And it's just, it's more about, you have to focus more on the quality than it is about on just quantity. So if you do a mass quantity and it's like really bad quality, then you're not going to ever feel satisfied or satiated. Mm. And it's going to actually contribute to more disease. And you're going to want to, you're going to eat more food. Ultimately. You're going to eat more food. So we eat very little food for the amount. Um, but it's just, we try to, we try our best uh, every time to get the best qualities possible, especially like with produce and especially with uh, protein, animal protein as well. So um, being now chicken owners as well, I'm very, very conscious of like sourcing quality animal protein we always have but even more so because like these they're such beautiful creatures and the fact like it just it, i can't comprehend having eating a caged chicken and having that like how much that sort of energy how, how bad that energy is for even just putting that money towards um a 
caged chicken farmer and then also the, the the life of that chicken as well because they're just there's a, there's like an essence in them as well there's a spirit in them and so understanding that aspect mm-hmm. i find is so important so i guess taking responsibility for our food choices has a direct impact on our health on the planet like community the, yeah. the, the farmers that you want to support their what lives. our world looks like in 10 or 20 years yeah. from now we'll have yeah so i guess bringing that level of conscious awareness of that like where you spend your money and how are you spending it are you spending it at like yeah how often do you eat out and, and where do you eat out and do how do they support it do they just buying mm. are they buying like local organic produce are they conscious of actually or it's just just food to feed you because it tastes good people obsessed with sort of it tastes and so good but then we care about the quality and how that actually impacts down the road which i totally believe both are equally as important and some there are restaurants and people that are out there doing that so it's totally available and accessible to everyone and i guess this leads well into talking about diets based on philosophy which is a bit what we're saying here in terms of choices you know there's a philosophical side of that but instead of i guess getting so caught up in what those dictated philosophies are you know by any sort of um diet and what the specific requirements that dictates is more going inside and getting insight and internal guidance so this is from dr margaret paul this is one of the I guess, sayings or quotes that she's had from the Diet for Divine Connection, which is a book we highly recommend as well. And this is, this really stuck out. And this is like, I wanted to have this as an overarching theme as well for the season uh, was diets based on the chosen philosophy rather than personal insight from internal guidance. And so we find for us, we find that like, I've definitely been caught in that world of a chosen philosophy. I've neglected what my body has been trying to tell me or even my internal guidance spirit whatever that word is for you and i because i was so much in this space of like my head was like this i'm a bulletproof like i'm a keto or i'm a um a, uh, whatever it is i'm i follow this diet i'm following a blood blood type diet even though my health is declining and i'm yet to let go of that and that's probably quite common with veganism as well in that space is like no i associate it and i'm identified yeah. with i'm vegan yet. what we heard from leah keith is very leah young keith young was now yeah she she shared quite openly about how and she does a lot out there how much that destroyed her health and and that was just one example of many many others out there we know many other personal stories of this especially when it comes to fertility it's quite scary and that's i guess veganism is one of the most popular ones that's trending right now too it could be anything really it's also any belief to be honest It, it could be any if it's religion that you really fixated in you identify with as well if if it doesn't if you can honestly like if Go within, go inside and actually see what your guidance in your body and your spirit is actually telling you. And I'm trying to give you sort of like, I, I got cues. Like, so my health was like, even when I was following something that meant to be so good in this tribe and what it looked like, it was still declining, but I wasn't willing to actually see that until it got to a point. And then I realized that, oh, okay, this is like no longer serving me anymore. So a lot of these diets that we, that we went through as well, they may be they may serve you for a, a period of time, but you have to also be mm. open and ready and willing to move on from that and take what works and leave the rest. And so for me, like from the bulletproof, I had to like leave that. And then I took some things that I learned from that, which is still valuable to this day, but I'm no longer identified with that as well. And so heavily identifying with any diet. And that's about listening to when it's when it's right for you with your internal guidance. You know, when it's time to move on or and that could when be a quite a, not working. I know Margaret Paul mentioned that as well. It can be quite a foreign 
concept for mm. people to internal guidance because if you're eating a very westernized either a standard american diet a sad diet or an australian um standard diet there's that, that internal guidance can be very skewed and can be very quiet and very sort of hard very to dictated hear dictated well. by um cravings as well which is like less the- internal guidance and more pathogenic bacteria that's guiding you as well to eat more sweet food because it wants to feed the bacteria or the flavor enhancers that are in a yeah. lot of um processed food that we talked about so it was like a it's just a vicious cycle that keeps going in there so you will never like your internal guidance will be very sort of skewed it may not ever be sort of um accessed before because it's when like eating that junk you're food. eating such a such a sort of a low density low vibration low density food so you never can be able to really understand and comprehend the concept of internal guidance and like oh wow you can actually listen to your body and move through it seasonally and understand what my body craves now in a healthy way and not from a, a bacteria that wants more sugar or wants more um junk food for instance that's out there fake food and so that we really resonate with that sort of approach of like it's we i understand everyone has to go through different seasons as well so Mm -hmm. diets we went through my journey so there's no right or wrong to this it's just like not we want to share is that not overly identifying with any diet or any belief for that matter and And just try bring more awareness to it bring more awareness yeah what that looks like is sort of is it is it truly serving you like being honest and open and like audit your diet and say, hey, is this serving me? Is there certain foods in here that no longer serve me in this in this season of my life? And if you can't do that on your own, maybe it is best that you get some help from someone, whether that be a coach or a practitioner. Yeah. Because to- they can often help bring more awareness. I mean, we're, we're in that space as well. And we're constantly, we're upgrading or up-leveling and we need coaches or guidance in different areas of our lives that we need because mm-hmm. we know that sometimes we can't see those things like we're not we don't know what we don't know and it's not visible and they're in a blind spot for us and we're going about life you know something's not right but then we also can't explore that because it's not visible to us and need somebody to point it out or even somebody with a bit more knowledge is ahead of us to mm-hmm. um, guide us through that and get us to our own um, level of understanding in that space so yeah so unless you can you're at the point where you can do that yourself it's definitely good to get help even mm. if that is just say from a partner to start off with yeah. You might be able to catch when some things are, you know, you're unconscious of that you're reaching for or eating in, a, in excess yeah. that aren't necessarily for your best. So I hope that makes sense for people out there. I hope that mm. they get that that idea and that concept of like not over identifying with a uh, chosen philosophy or diet, being okay with where you are right now and acknowledging that, but always, always be open to moving forward. And with that and taking what works and moving on with that. And that could be yeah. wherever you're at now. So there's certain diets, they do serve a period. So veganism may serve a, a very short period in time to help you cleanse and detox certain things in your body. But for a long-term, long-term sort of sustainable approach, it would definitely start to wreak havoc in your body if you start to sort of just Especially with, with women. You see Especially it. women, yeah. But guys also have the problem a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. We're not having enough groundedness. Well, testosterone, um, yeah. they're very difficult. To, you start getting very airy and light and you won't be able to get a grounded sort of approach. You won't be able to approach life in a way. Which can impact, you know, a male's hormones mm. and just even psychologically, mentally. So, you know, there's downsides for both men and women. But... Yeah, it's, it's been very evident um, in a lot of case studies. So, yeah, I guess it's just important to keep in mind it's not wrong if you are, you know, um, on that diet at the moment. It's just good to be aware of these things so you can recognize them, you know, when you start to notice it's no longer serving you. And I think that's why we actually, in this, this season, we focused 
um, we didn't focus on any actual diet being like, oh, seeing we did a whole um, season nutrition, we weren't sure which angle to go with because we, we've we explored, or I've explored definitely personally, so many different types of diets and they've all had um, some benefit in some way and some downsides in some way as well. So we didn't want to actually say, oh, you should eat a body ecology diet and that's, that would do you. It's more just mm-hmm. being open to exp- like having that uh, level of awareness and following that sort of guidance inside to guide you through the seasons of life, which leads us into our last point that we wanted to touch before we go into practical takeaways from this season was um, the seasonal shifts uh, that should happen in your diet. And that's also through your life. So not only people understand seasons from the aspect of um, seasons throughout the year. And so environmentally, yeah, that the seasonal changes should shift your seasonal diet as well. Again, so, shift, shift. It's more like if we allow, if we get out of the way, this will naturally happen. Yeah, I say should. It's not yeah. a more masculine word, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's 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 not anything that you should be doing this or you should be like this. Like we're not trying to dictate it. It's more like this. We've noticed this will naturally happen when we don't try and hold on to it and control it so much. Well, follow, following the cycles of nature, and if you follow that closely, like sun, like the actual daily fluctuations of the, of the circadian rhythm, as well as the seasonal mm-hmm. uh, shifts, as well from autumn to winter and to winter to spring and spring to summer and that as well that shift naturally will unfold and your diet will if you're open to like following those seasons and being guided by nature as well that you will actually find uh like for us personally our experience of that is our diet shifts and changes through the seasons as well but also the seasons we're in in our life so me being almost 32 and indy being 25 <laughs> yeah <laughs> good one good 25 one. yeah and so that is um it, we're going to have a very different diet than someone that was 50 or 60 years old. Like you would never compare that as well. So where, what right now I need is something very grounding as well. So moving into winter, very big on animal fats and animal proteins. And that's very grounding for me in, in the winter months and the cold months. Same for Indy as well. And maybe even increasing some of the carbohydrate load as well. Um, but the carbohydrates we have, we generally stick to more of a body ecology carbohydrate mm. um, list of foods as well. Um, because a lot of the carbohydrates, just to be aware of, they do generally convert straight to glucose or like sugar. Um, so we try and avoid the ones that will, as a general rule, obviously. We're not super strict with that. But. Yeah, we're not really. I mean, we've got we've definitely got lenient. So people might see mm. our diets and uh, what we share on Instagram might see like it's been like, well, wow, guys are extreme. Like, depends on what level of, of knowledge or experience the um, the person's at. Um, but for us, we're very I guess lenient these days, and we're very um, relaxed. But we're also just because of the what the level we've done to, in, I guess. The knowledge and where we're at right now with our health, and it's just a level of comfortability and. Maybe not comfortability, that's the wrong word too. I'm trying to find the right word. Because comfortability can also be dangerous because you can get Yeah, I guess like the way we see things. it is of course there's things that we could optimize more and we're aware yeah, of always. um higher levels of, you know, health and things we could do. But this is I guess where we're at right now on our journey and you know, where we go with maybe um preconception and mm. you know me, for example, being pregnant, that might look very different in wanting to avoid other foods that might potentially be toxic. So. Yeah, that's another season of life that we're mm-hmm. moving in towards very soon is that so we want to prepare our bodies, both sides, me and Indy as well, and, and we're going to have to shift, not have to, so we're, we're going to choose. We want to. We want yeah. to, and we're going to choose to um, 
I guess, audit our diet as well mm-hmm. and see, hey, what can we like, what are some things that have crept in that we like feel like we're not going to serve us so well? And what can we add in that's going to boost our level of health to next level? And we're always exploring that. We never really want to stay complacent with our, oh, this is what we eat now and we're good for life now. So we're really big on this whole seasonal eating um, of being like eating. And, that, and the way to do that, the best is also is eating from finding from a local um organic grocer or a health food store that stocks local produce as well so that therefore you eat what's in season and that makes it easier to sort of shift your body into the because you're eating the microbes that come from the soil that are in those um, plants and so don't wash your veggies too well (laughs) so that also helps us to shift into we actually can gen we can eat in the season that we flow through as well so seasonal throughout the year but a seasonal throughout our lives as well so that we're, we're going to be a makes lot, it more affordable a lot more well, optimized i guess refined diet for the next say 12 months while we're sort of getting our bodies ready for pregnancy because we didn't want to just jump straight into it and already at a quite a, done a lot for our health right now from a diet perspective to get ourselves in that space and even just from the another thing i want to touch on before we go into is the masculine and feminine approach to i guess mm. diet is, and nutrition is very different as well so that's one experience like physiologically obviously we're a man and woman we're very different yes that's needs. another thing too yeah. um yeah and especially in terms of um you know being pregnant preconception however um there's another side of things that we is definitely very present for us and i don't know if you can relate to it all but from um a feminine perspective i've always thought that food is there to be enjoyed and you know the the cooking is a really important process and the seasoning and making everything taste really good and so it's been like a really nice journey to learn to make really really healthy food also taste really good Whereas I think for Dane, just get it in me. If it, make green. sure it's quality yeah. and just get it in me as fast as possible. Because yeah. <laughs> I want to get back to whatever else I'm doing. But <laughs> I do enjoy for India's definitely brought in that it's a yin yang flow of feminine masculine energy. So I have learnt to enjoy and slow down a bit more with food. And but there's also some level of structure of the masculine side that I've brought in through India of having the structure with meals, for instance, that eating so we have our breakfast, lunch and dinner. And maybe not um you know, I like to take on a little bit too much and maybe with cooking. Overambitious? Overambitious. Yeah. When, you know, it's not the best day to be making this six-hour soup or something. Yeah, and <laughs> I would ask you usually beforehand how long would this take, usually all the time, and it's you're always underestimating by, like, times never 10, never give an exact time for how long it takes Which to perfect is, the recipe. It's frustrating <laughs> as a guy, I'm like, I want to know how long this takes so I can plan and prep before and afterwards and then also how long it takes to eat it, so... It's actually quite a funny sort of um, exploration of masculine <laughs> feminine energy. And I'm sure other couples out there would relate to some degree. Yeah, um, but and I was saying one of the positives is it's probably made you be more present with your food because mm. you always enjoy it and you're always very grateful for yeah. how good the food is. Yeah. And, and versus just trying to get it in you. Which is probably how I was when I was single for most of my life <laughs> before me- meeting you the last couple of years is that it, like I would definitely be you like that with your mom's food though yeah mom's food delicious but like if I was <laughs> making my own food it'd always be I just know fried up it's like no, when I fried up in a pan that is not like deep fried um I heat up my food quickly and so whatever's the quickest way to get it like 
warmed and then eaten as well. It has to taste nice, but I'm not really obsessed with having to taste like perfect flavors together. As long as it's like, it's nutritious. I will never skimp on quality. Even when finances are really, really, really um, sort of uh, tough tough and tight, I would always make sure quality is always there. Like I'm always supporting that my body because that's for me, it's a no brainer. And, but as that whole approach of that I've learned from Indies, like slowing down a little bit from that aspect and then giving her that masculine sort of guidance, uh, masculine sort of structure, I guess that comes with it. So that's a really important so aspect times, as well. I think yeah. keeping that, um, that continual routine. Yeah. Cause your feminine energy can flow. So when I first met you, <laughs> of not blowing dinner like, out to, you know, eight thirty because that's yeah. not great either for no. our sleep. Yeah. So, so I keep yeah. the structure so, <laughs> and then he keeps the flow. That's the structural flow from the feminine masculine energy, which is yin and yang. So that's a really important aspect for maybe to reflect on and just to see if you're in a relationship, how that affects you um, and your And partner. how you can use the each other's strengths, yeah. um, you know, for your your best, I guess, version of that. So what Indi- that looks like. Indy's always a head chef and I'm always a sous chef <laughs> and just ask what she needs done and I help where I can and I can upskill my sort of areas as well. But Yeah, of- so what do you recommend for food prep then? Getting into some of the more practical. Okay, things. yeah. So this is now, now we're going to just finish off with practical guidance and takeaways that people can actually put into practice. So the food prep is that we're still exploring that ourselves. We haven't, like this whole area, we're not, I'm not saying like we're settled and this is perfect and this is how you should do it. It's more just an exploration that journeys through life and it's a seasonal variation as well. So food prepping for us has been, um, it's, I guess it's been relatively challenging because we're trying to shift between finding the right amount of time to, and when to do that. So we used to take off like a weekday and just do it then because Indy works on the Saturday. Whereas now we're having to do it, we're, we're choosing to do it at, at night. And so we can actually work, working on our businesses during the day. And so food prepping side of things, I like to keep things again, as short as possible <laughs> and as quick as possible. And Indy's more about flavors and trying different um, recipes or meals out and, and textures. And, textures. and I was like, I trust Indy's flavor and palate. <laughs> so like, I know it's going to taste great, but I'm like, just get the steamed broccoli and just get things done quick. So then it's not like a blowout of a food prep. So, but we have sort of contained it for ourselves for people to, for couples, I guess this is, it's, it's very different. If you're, if you're a single person, this is going to, um, you're going to find what works with you as well and what makes it work. But I feel like cooking for us is entirely impractical to be cooking fresh every, every single night and or even cooking lunch every, even though we work from home here, we could do that if we wanted to, but it's just finally impractical on so many points. Um, but then again, food prepping once a week is highly impractical too, because the quality of that food will deteriorate rapidly. So if you're cooking on a Sunday night, your, your week's worth of food, um, Friday night's meal is going to be terrible. It's going to be like a, a food. It's going to be like an empty shell of, of a, I mean, a food. So it might also have, um, you know, unseen mold growing. Exactly. In that too. So that you also want to be cooking fresh, but then not cooking every single night because that's impractical. So there's a balance that you have to find for you. And again, that's part of our probably coaching down the track too would be helping people find that balance because we're still trying to navigate and find it for ourselves. And it mm. does change for every season that we're in as well. Yeah. So right now building businesses, taking a lot of our time and energy, we're trying to refine our food prepping. So we try to do it to maybe twice a week. So we rec- we do recommend as a, as a good baseline, as a good sort of foundation, twice a week is, is pretty good to prep you sort of, whether that's your, your breakfast and lunch and dinners and what that may look like, and then alternate that seasonally as well. 
So we're heading to the colder months here. So the buckwheat porridge that Indy makes that she soaks the buckwheat overnight is um, delicious. And it's really nice and warming um, to have that for breakfast. And then our meals are maybe moving towards day soups. And soups are great because I know that you just throw a ton of stuff in a pot, <laughs> vegetables, whatever you want. And it's a very guy friendly meal. And it's just like, and it makes a lot. It's like, it's a great return as well <laughs> on, on, on time. Your so return on investment. Return on investment is awesome because you soup, then you get like, and then you can have fry up some bread or whatever you want. And with especially it. where we live, like sourdough. that goes back to seasonal eating. Um, this is very good for us because of where yeah. we live. Um, yeah, you might not be in super if you live close to the if you're living close to the equator and you've got like subtropical never weather. Really be drawn to be in some nice hot soup on a on a humid uh, twenty seven degree day. So you might be having cold soup. Yeah, <laughs> and therefore you might have a diet that's a bit more rich in say fruits that are like and raw foods as well. Mm-hmm. So that again, the food prepping does vary. So our summer food prep is very different. We don't have to cook as much. Much more minimal. It's more We're raw. more sort of you know dicing and shredding like um, yeah. Yeah, grading things Spiralizing. Yeah. Get your spiralizer out. (laughs) Very little prep time, which is awesome. Which is great. And then winter is also great too because it's very warming foods for us because I guess we're in such stark – like it gets quite cold here in wintertime up in the mountains. So our shifts are very seasonal and very noticeable as well. Mm -hmm. So a food prepping recommendation would definitely be try – do your best to do maybe twice a week to keep the freshness of the food if you're cooking foods as well. And, um, and for me, yeah, I guess in a practical standpoint, it wouldn't make any sense to be cooking every single night or even every day at least. So that's from a food prep, um, food buying. So we wanted to go talk about like where you buy your food from. So we personally, we like, we're very fortunate to have a local, sorry, um, a local organic market that is about a five minute drive for us here. So, and I, I believe that there's a lot of them around if you search as well. Mm-hmm. So or a lot of farm gates. All the farm like gates as well. But I guess some people might not have the time to go towards farmer's markets. That's mm. a great one to go to. to find or it. even if you don't have time, there's a lot of bo- um, organic box deliveries. Like that too. Boxes. So it's just so exploring those options. Whatever, wherever you are and whatever, you know, yeah. time situation or convenient exactly. um, location. And based stuff on your your budget and based on your time as mm. well, that can really vary. And your location. And your location, yeah. yeah. And there's, I truly believe there's, especially in Australia here, there is an mm. option for all of them that caters to your needs. But I think that an easy one would just be going to a, a mainstream supermarket and just buying everything there is is quite a sort of, a, it seems like a, a um, an economical and practical approach. But ultimately, you're going to be paying more for your health because those, most of the, everything in there is not like, it's you're not supporting your local farmers, your, the quality of food is so much less. Um, there's a reason why it's cheaper. And so if you're going to go buy quality and buy less, and so therefore you actually you would find yourself more satiated. And support and more, a, more, a small business. And you're supporting these the local farmers. The guys, they do a lot of hard work. And so you want to support local business, all these things in this yeah, space. People that aren't taking shortcuts by spraying a whole lot of chemicals on yeah, your food. Because this is a quick hit just throw a ton of chemicals to kill all the animal life out there for mm. decades to come to, and give you a food, bit of food and that's sprayed. And it's destroy not, the soil. Yeah. And like really our natural habitat. So indirectly, you're kind of just, you're contributing towards the decline of humanity and the planet as well. So by going and supporting these local farmers in any way, whether it's delivery to your door from organic boxes to go into a local health food store and get your groceries in there, 
to go into a local organic market. Farmers markets are great. You get to see the people there. And, and maybe person. you just need to do half half to start off with. Like that's what I did. Some of the pantry organics at Audi, and then some of the fresh stuff at a health food store. Yeah. So if you need some time to shift, that's totally okay too. But recommend trying to at least start yeah. shifting things be a really good step that's really important and then i guess the food so after the food prep we want to speak about the food storage so uh storing everything if possible in glass is ideal so you can get glass um tupperware containers that we have and we can we even keep our leftover sauerkraut jars the glass jars and i wouldn't recommend the the um ikea ones though if you're prone to dropping things because they will shatter yeah, and it'll not be a cost-effective solution. You think that $9 um, container or $4 container was a better option, but it well, wasn't. Because the glass is, it must be such a shoddy glass and very thin yeah. as well. But then again, that being said too, is that glass can, a lot of glass, if it's bad quality glass, can have lead in it too. So you don't really want to have, if they get in it, yeah. they can have a new impact in it. So you're being conscious of... Glass is obviously better than plastic in by all means, but then so if that's the best you can do, by all means go for it. But just going to say from my experience, it pays to invest that little bit more in some good quality glass food stories like glass lock ones that's yeah definitely when you're preparing food that we have everything stored in the fridge and glass but then even just for your pantry staples as well everything's in our glass jars which we've collected over the years of our piece of mm. and vegetables but people crowd. are always giving them away for free you get them everywhere whether you're actually buying crowd or anything in glass jars just keeping those glass jars mm. and then using them as storage rather than keeping things in packets because again storing food in plastic as well has a it then has it. We eventually leach the the plastic from there as well, and it's not good for the environment. The food itself would definitely have an impact on a on a more energetic level too. If you go into that yeah, space, and you can generally keep the food fresher. You keep it fresher for longer, exactly. So storing glass for us is just, is, is a non negotiable, really. And, and it's, I feel like for most people out there, it's very possible. And so, just if you can, just transition everything. It out. also means you probably can limit your use of things like Glad wrap or foil. If you've got enough glass containers to put yeah. all the little things that you'd usually cover with them. So yeah, storing in glass, that's, I think that's, I don't think that's, I don't think anyone cannot not do that. <laughs> like it's very, very easy to do. And if you are having things in plastic, then just transition everything away yeah. into glass storage. Just slowly um, build that collection. <laughs> seasonal eating. I think we really touched a base, touched on that really. Seasonal eating is like, again, if you're, mm. if you're buying from your local, organic uh grocer or health food store or farmer's market then you will naturally be eating what they have in season so what they have in season will vary throughout the year so and therefore a good good thing to note if you can find um on the you know label or um you know price sticker or whatever where that food was grown um you know getting it local generally means it's in season for you which is really good. You're not like a kiwi fruit from Italy or something. It's yeah, like, <laughs> which we've seen popping up. And it's very disappointing. Yeah, for the food mileage from point of view, but also it's like it's just not the same climate or environment. And mm-hmm. we get the mango coming down here in the mango in winter time, and sassafras is just like that's there. There's some concepts to sort of have to sort of get past still because people want to have access. Or oh, people to, wanting asparagus all year round when really exactly. the window is very short. Yeah, when we should be eating it. Even just like blueberries up here, blueberries is a very short season. But when it is, we just, we like aggressively eat blueberries and then we don't eat it for the rest of the year. And that can also go towards other foods um, that naturally come out that are in abundance in nature 
for certain seasons of the year and then they don't they're not in season anymore so it's that's i feel like this almost that's the approach that yeah. we when asparagus is in season we go ham yeah back in the day we wouldn't <laughs> have just stored um or got food from another country shipped over here and eat that and just eat whatever's in season what you have available to you and that has a, i think has a really vast impact on your yeah. health and that goes on to growing your own food and you become so much more connected with when things are in season when you're actually aligning when to plant things um, for the optimal time um, for growing. And that also plays into the appreciation for really good food that had to go through um, no pesticides and naturally trying to keep it survive um, alive and healthy. No possums. With all the, pred- yeah, no all the pests and um, things that will want to eat it and share it too. And there's no, no harm in sharing your food if that's what you want to do. But yeah, I think ultimately it's very rewarding. So if you can even start to grow some herbs or what we did last year um, was just some real simple ones like chard and I did sort of unsuccessfully plant some leeks, but that was a real good experience. Some cauliflower, two cauliflower heads. Yeah, we got two little cauliflower mm. heads. Um, so yeah, just some of those ones that are kind of easier to start off with, like even lettuce and rocket. The rocket was a really good return on investment, one of the easiest ones you could do, and so very satisfying. And this was a this was definitely feedback that we got. What some of the what our takeaways from I think either Jason Prowl, but also Charles Barber in the season as well. If we go back to the listeners' episodes, mm-hmm. they really um, they really championed the idea of growing your own food. Because understanding what goes into that, for starters, you have control over the soil, you have control over the actual the quality of that food. You get to pick it and taste it, and mm. that whole spiritual experience as well. Of doing and you're that. okay with having a bit of soil on it, so you're actually getting the full um, mm. spectrum of soil probiotics. Which is the whole experience of just like growing. It's so much. It's so much work to go into mm. something that's so small. If you go to a supermarket and pick something up, you're so disconnected from that chain of the energy that goes into that. And also, the energy and you of the can food. really appreciate them how much good food costs. Yeah, and see that it's a bargain for how much effort is put in. So, growing growing your own food, try that, <laughs> try it yeah. out, and It'll do, do guarantee the best you can. Change your perspective. We, on we have, in the apartment in Armadale, you had a tiny balcony, but you started to grow a cucumber, and yep. you love that as well. So, <laughs> very satisfying. There's no um, people might have objections; they don't have time or they don't have space, but. It really is. Like- and you could start like a whole thing, you know, in my apartment block, it really um, got other people to start growing things on their balcony um, and saw the potential of what they could do even with a little space and being in an apartment. So that was really nice to see as well. And if eventually if you grow into a space like we are now, we can definitely grow things and have more space to grow. And one of the other things. You know, if you do live in an apartment, a small space, finding your a local community garden, most areas have them now that aren't too far from you. And we've made some really good friends from our one. So, you know, there's a so other social benefit of meeting with like-minded people and doing something like that together. So, yeah, there's always ways around it. Um, last one, food swaps. Yeah, so we just wanted to give some really practical um things that you might not be aware of are good swaps. And I've certainly had to be creative and figure this out along my own journey with diet and nutrition. Um, so one of them, it's pretty well known now, but if you're still eating rice and want to explore some alternatives, really good ones are just with any recipe that calls for rice, quinoa or collie rice, or there's cognac rice. 
um, of a potato, you can do rutabaga or sweets and soy sauce. You'd want to go coconut aminos would be ideal and um, which is a soy free one made with coconut, fermenting coconut. And instead of dairy yogurt, opt for coconut yogurt. And of course, like your Cadbury or Lint, maybe green and blacks or alter eco chocolate is a really good swap. Um, Because they're organic, aren't they? Yeah, they're organic and they're a good fair trade um, businesses, like doing more um, than just, yeah. I think alter eco especially goes beyond fair trade and really looks at the reforestation um, with their cacao plantations. So that's a really, really good company. Um, and cows or, I mean, we sometimes still have Tetra Pak plant milks, but if you can have, instead of cows or Tetra Pak milks, um, the fresh nutty Bruce milk in the fridge, this is for Australia. That's a really, really good swap because those ones don't have any additives and haven't been heat treated. Um, and instead of rice or wheat pasta, a really good one is hundred percent buckwheat soba noodles or cognac pasta. So again, those ones won't impact your blood sugar. Um, another one is if you really love bread, um, instead of like a wheat or grain based bread, go for no grainer, the keto almond bread or a grain free, um, sourdough, like one we have locally is called Zealy Bay. Um, so it's a grain free sourdough and, if you are still into your Vegemite, like I used to be the biggest fan growing up, um, there's a really good alternative now called Everymite. So that's a yeast-free one. Um, so not made with, yeah, all their fortified vitamins and yeast and stuff. All the other stuff that's a bit nasty. Um, and another good one if you have um, margarine, regular butter or Nutilex, um or any other sort of like um, plant-based sort of butter alternative is just going for a really good grass-fed butter um particularly ones from new zealand where it's they've got fresh grass all year round are awesome um and yeah i guess one of the other big main ones would be as i touched on this instead of sugar or even the um you know non-refined sugars um instead of those just go straight to the best option which would be erythritol xylitol monk fruit or stevia i know some people have issues around the taste and flavor and yeah there's definitely an adjustment but ultimately you just have to experiment with those you know few ones until you find something that you like because i guarantee there will be one that you do prefer and stick with and it's going to be a hell of a lot better for you um, than any other sweetener whether that's refined or non-refined um, because ultimately it's better for your blood sugar and gut and weight and everything. And again, these are all just, um, hearing you like speak about them, this is just yeah. all what we've done is what we've found has worked well with us. And doesn't mean that this is like gospel. Yeah. As in yeah. like, this is a great thing to explore, just experiment with it, which is a really important experiment and see what works with you. And knowing that there is no right or wrong and there is no bad or right Mm. food to eat, like, oh, honey and apple syrup's the the enemy. It's like, it's understanding where you're at too. If you have an overgrowth of candida, then it's probably not ideal to be having so much maple syrup in your diet. Um, But then again, if you you get your health... Oh, that's a a good one. There's a sugar-free maple syrup. Um, There you go. 
So <laughs> that's just reminded her erythritol so good. and stevia that we like as a little treat. Um, so you can get that one off iHerb. It's not being, I guess, not being so, um, uh, even so like rigid about it. Yeah. What, what's the word? I've forgotten the word now. Um, orthorexic about yeah. like this, like obsessed with being yeah. like, I happen to have this way or I can't have any sweetener at all. It's like, oh, I can't eat carbs. It's like it's mm. being flexible and open and understanding where your health's at and how much you want to commit to the level of health you want. So if you're willing to like just make um, sacrifice, not even sacrifices, but even small shifts that mm. can contribute towards your health, then by all means. But if you're not willing to really commit to that as well, then that's okay. Um, but maybe- just know that you might still get the same result. Yeah, exactly. You can eventually something will give way, and you have to um, might get to a point where you have to actually make a. a- a deep shift as well, mm. um, whether that's food or anything in lifestyle or your, whatever that looks like for you. So these are, and this just touched the surface. So if you want to learn more about all these and like find out about more information, this is just like a little like tidbit. We haven't even gone into fermented foods or all that as well, which is yeah. incredible. And this is part of our diet. And we, we, um, Indy makes her own, um, kraut now at home with custom probiotics. And that's hugely important, but that just for the sake of not going on forever, we want to make sure that this is like, it gives you like a great overarching sort of concept and awareness of like, where is a great foundation to sort of have a, a sort of to launch from in a sense so to speak mm. and then find and also explore where you're at in your life yeah and if you're not really sure then again reach out to find a coach that might be willing to help you or reach because out to us there are those little um personal intricacies like with raw, um raw fermented foods for example you know a uh, wild fermented food is probably more suited to someone who has already a robust immune system you know like we did back in the old days because that's how we had them whereas if you're struggling um, with different illnesses, it might be best to have something that's a little bit more controlled in terms of what strains are coming in, um, what you're eating, because, you know, it's a very sensitive balance. So that's just one of those things that is sometimes best to have it looked at by an expert, mm. um, like either a health coach or practitioner. Again, like if any of this resonates with you and you want to learn more, then more like we're always open for people to reach out to us through our Instagram, through email, through the, yeah. whatever link we put in here as well. Then we're very to, reachable and responsive. Very reachable and responsive. Always welcome. <laughs> Unlike a lot of people out there these days, but and we encourage that. So if that does make if if you do want to like take things further, then we're always open to explore that because we believe it is very personalized. There's there's a generalized in terms of a foundation of things as guidelines to follow uh, naturally, like or, like seasonally and organic and that as well, but also um, personalized in based on your health mm. level level of health because it's very different the level of health i'm at is very different someone else that has um that could be overweight and can be doing or a lot more issues in your life, like or times about. in your life so i believe i truly believe that if you don't have the i mean we're hugely passionate in the space so we're always exploring that and want to find more and open into ourselves so people might not be at that level if you're listening to this and if you want to learn more and want to actually explore and commit to that change as well then yeah reach out to us and let's have a chat yeah and we hope you've gained something from this episode and we haven't just rambled on um it's know. been a while since we've done an episode with just it's us it's been a while and it, it, to be honest it sounded a little bit depressing like I, sounded, know. I just realized that it sounded very like, very emo very monotone for yeah me. it's very like, so monologue apologies and monotone for that and, sorry, but sorry, um, guys. 
hopefully, you know, we can get a little bit more lit up and for our next season. <laughs> it's been a big day. It's been a big year. Yeah. It's been a big month. But, yeah, so we're, we're taking a break. Um, this season's done now, nutrition. We hope you've enjoyed all our guests we've had on here. It's um, We've had a lot of fun connecting with them and sharing that mm. information with you all. And we'll be back next season with an, another area of holistic health. Yeah, we're so yet to decide what that looks like. If you have any... Um, any special requests on what that is, just let us know. Um, we're totally open to yeah, going anyway with that. We're quite passionate about making it about this season, next season, season three, about relationships because we found that is such a, a like, like just pivotal, like vital aspect of um, holistic health is understanding relationships with your partner, with your family, with your friends, interacting with people. And it's like, for us, we look like that, looks, that might be our next season about mm. about relationships and, and it's our one of wounded those self that comes out as well. So Main legs of the table that yeah. if that's not sorted, yeah. like you're going to have a very wobbly table. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it may be that, it may not be. <laughs> we don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah. But we'll be taking a break for a little bit while we get our... Um, businesses going and flowing and exciting things to come yeah keep stay tuned follow us on um, instagram at live holistically au and again reach out if you have any questions or just want to connect with us yeah, we're just love to hear from people help. so yeah hope right. you've enjoyed the season and we'll see you back next season season three be well everyone take care take care bye bye thanks for joining us if you're enjoying our show so far, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And it means a lot to us if you leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as well as share this with friends and family, which will help us get this crucial knowledge out there. If you'd like to connect with us, head on over to Instagram at liveholisticallyau, where you can learn more and ask us anything. See, See you, you next time. time.